Welcome back to the Hex Drinkers House of Commons, your one-stop shop for all things competitive and at the common rarity. Chev, how was your Thanksgiving? It was pretty good. Ate a lot of uh, turkey, had a lot of dessert. Um, it was our, our, our weekly goal at work was for everyone to consume a plethora of Thanksgiving food, and I think I succeeded that. So hoping for a promotion soon. That does sound like you're, you're really ticking all the boxes in terms of climbing up the corporate ladder. So exactly. I'm happy for you. Um, Doing what it takes you know. to uh, survive in this corporate environment. Maybe not happy for your waistline, but happy for you. Yeah, this season is not uh, good for anyone's waistline, really, as uh, we only get a few week break before it's Christmas cookies and frivolity. Yeah, we're we're in the eye of the storm right now. We think that it's we think it's going to be okay, but we're about to just get hit by another. Now's the time to pick a new diet and stick with it for ten days, and then give up once you get home for the holidays. Yep, yep. That's that is uh, that's it. And then New Year's, and then we'll we will all quote unquote go to the gym. Exactly. The New Year's that number. <laughs> well, last time we covered oh. Jumpstart, and we've we've exhausted finally all the product releases for the year. So there's not too many big. Uh, well, for CPDH. Don't forget that uh, Commander Starter decks also come out December 2nd. Bet you forgot that was a thing. Ha. Hard to forget something was a thing when you didn't know it existed in the first place. Got him. <laughs> well, great. I'm sure we'll talk about that on the other podcast. But for now, uh, we're just uh, doing other stuff. So we thought we would... It's the holiday season, Chev. And um, I was thinking it's a time for us to maybe write ourselves a little, little wish list. Maybe send up to... a. Uh, CPD8 Santa and see what's going on. So we're going to, today we're going to talk about the DDB, the database, if you will, the kind of crystallized knowledge of the meta currently for CPDH. And um, we're going to discuss a little bit, but I think, uh, I think part of the fun of this is we're going to inspect and see if there's anything that we're missing, things that we want to see get up onto that database and kind of how we expect that to go as people continue to brew and what sort of gaps we can shore up. Now, luckily, Chev, uh, actually on this show, we have someone who's a member of the database committee. So maybe that person... Really? Where? Maybe that person, um, if they were gracious enough, could step forward and just briefly explain the database and kind of how it functions and what the current situation is with um, uh, new decks coming in and out. Because I I don't have that info because I'm not that person. Spoiler alert. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it does limit the options a bit. Um, So the... The deck database, which you can find over on cpdh.guide or budgetbrews.club, is a list of all of the approved CPDH decks um, that have gone through the approval process with the deck database committee. Uh, I threw a lot of acronyms and words at you, but the the end goal of this kind of database and list of uh, decks is to be a good starting point for people who want to try a new CPDH strategy, are new to the format, or just want to see what is out there um, with some of the top brewers in the format as a whole. So that is the kind of the, the database is the end result of everyone putting time and effort into these builds, working through tryhard leagues, working through uh, PDH home base leagues, anything to kind of show a deck is a step above and fits in at the competitive PDH spectrum. And then that gets submitted and put through the deck, uh, deck database process. Now that process comes in from the uh, budget brew server where once you feel like your list is competitive, it's it's racked up some wins in whatever leagues or it's, it's seen play and you feel confident in it, you submit it for review from the deck database committee of which I'm a part. And then uh, three or more committee members will kind of go over your deck, see what works, what doesn't, what are improvements we can make, trying to make sure your vision is realized to the highest competitive potential. And once that happens, 
we decide whether or not the deck is competitive enough to make it onto the the database. So that's kind of the the whole cycle of <laughs> how these decks get added. Sounds like a bit of jargon to me, but I'll let it slide since you're my co-host. Uh, but yeah, I guess you have you have big strong deck. You put it in a special place for people to say yes, this is a big strong deck, and if it is, it gets put into the internet forever. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I guess the the end goal for the uh, for the database is to essentially represent every possible viable option within the metagame, right? Um, obviously correct things are ever evolving so we will never get there right the limit does not mm -hmm. exist or whatever uh, you know quote quote your mean girls as you will but that is the goal we are hoping to uh, be as close to that as possible at any given point yes and um, the the idea being even even as we've started to see trends in cpdh2 where uh, the format's gotten a little bit aggressive more aggressive recently we've seen that kind of flow input of decks uh, into the database as opposed to a lot of the control from the beginning or when the next sort of change in the meta occurs, we'll see that come in as well. So the, like, Papa Popper likes to put in bold on all of his primers so he doesn't have to have them fully uh, finished in time. Um, this is a living document. So we, we, we try to kind of m maintain and keep up with the current meta and have these decks be ones that are all competitive. Um, and we'll leave it up to you guys to figure out how successful we are with that. Yeah. So I'm looking and currently we have, I think I'm miscounted, but it looks like we have somewhere around 46, 47, 48 options currently mm -hmm. in the database. So certainly a lot of options for anyone who's approaching the format. And um, we highly recommend if you are coming into the format blind, you want to see what it's like, check out the database, kind of uh, look at the list. They all have primers so you can see what they're doing and just you know yeah. take a few for a spin and kind of start to find what sort of play styles are going to be a most amicable to you but yeah there's 46 47 maybe 48 options in here obviously we want that number to just continue to grow as uh, more strategies uh, are streamlined and more commanders come out obviously yeah yeah I, I would also say it especially for new players that are new to the format um, a lot of the lists that come from the the tryhards people so be it clay or Papa popper or people who are participate in those leagues also puzzle box um those creators also create video content so a lot of the times on some of these lists that have been through the the gauntlet uh, <laughs> a lot you'll find gameplay videos as well so you can see really how it works in action which can be a incredibly valuable resource when you're kind of getting used to this for the first time as we kind of saw and talked about last uh, i think a couple episodes ago with puzzle boxes win with gretchen titchwillow and cedh mm -hmm you might not be ready for the interaction or the cards to watch out for at CPDH. So being able to see what cards you're playing and which cards are scary uh, can be incredibly helpful for just getting started because this is competitive. So things might go a little bit more fast paced than your, your um, table EDH game. Yeah. Well, as you were talking and I was only moderately paying attention, I was doing some counting <laughs> That's fair. and uh, my, my first wish list is my first thing that i'm going to put on our, our, our wish list to cpdh santa i want to see some more white decks in the database um mm. there is obviously a heavy prevalence of blue and black i counted there is uh 40 of our or no sorry 39 of our 47 lists uh, have either blue or black and 29 <laughs> of those 39 have blue so you know we're uh we're we're a little biased here in terms of uh, color balance. So I would love to see uh, specifically some more white decks in here. We are getting more white decks uh, recently. 
Um, Barrowin of Clan Under is actually the most recent one that I'm seeing. Yeah. Uh, Brunner Battlehammer, which we have talked about on the show. And, of course, Abdel Adrian is probably the one that's made the biggest splash so far. Um, but I, I want to see more and more of those white decks coming in um, so that we it's it's more properly a color pie as opposed to one little slice. Yeah, and, and, and some of that stuff, too, it's, it's kind of hard, but it's gotten easier with the focus... The, the eye of Sauron or Watsi, however you want to kind of um, interpret it, has taken a look at white in EDH. And now we're finally starting to see value accrue at white to bring it up to par with these other ones. Because while it might be very nice to see more white in the database, it requires white to be worth having. We've had this conversation before of like, if a strategy is not as good as uh, separate colors, kind of like... Um, vine mare then it's hard for that one to really gain steam but i do agree that we've we've seen more white recently we saw some of the new um white sort of draw we've seen new white removal aspects and i think i talked about it on our our last episode as well but there is a deck coming in in the pipeline currently uh that i think has a strong chance of of making it onto the list and it's a um illuminator virtuoso deck which is that double strike uh conniver from from new capenna the chance is there uh, for, for more white, but it's just a matter of time. Yeah, I think there's a couple a couple things, actually, that have been going for white. One, like you said, Wizards has been actually just printing better white cards. So now uh, we are starting to hit somewhat of a, a threshold of just, okay, now we're actually playing all mm-hmm. good cards in our, our base white decks as opposed to some good cards and some cards that, frankly, we would rather not. Uh, and also, I yes. think uh, something, if you look, the... The database is roughly organized chronologically. So if you look towards the back end, uh, the older decks, if you will, there's a lot more of the blue and especially the blue-black lists. And as the meta has shifted, we've seen um, definitely more red come in, but we've seen more white come in because as we're moving away from more dirtily and uh, combo-focused lists that... Mm is, you know, Blue Black's kind of home turf and territory here. Um, as things are getting more aggressive and as we're going more mid-rangey, white is kind of now finding its own niche in there. So that's great, too. And, of course, that is supplemented yes. by the fact that we're just getting new good white cards. Yeah. <laughs> right. Many things are leading into this, um, but <laughs> Deck Santa can tell you that we will probably see more white decks in future. I hope so. Well, here's list number two, and I think this is a shared a shared item on our list. Two lists that I think both have white that we need on here, as we've discussed, are Seder Enchanter and Aethersworn Finks. Yeah, there's something, and, and this has kind of come up recently in our um, a committee, is there's an idea of uh, upkeep that comes with, with any sort of kind of list. <laughs> Uh, I know, I know. Crash does it with the uh, the tier list and kind of goes through kind of regularly to see which decks fall into which tiers or whatever. And uh, while we're we're not suggesting um, that system, we are talking about you know when decks fall out of competitiveness, what happens to them, or more specifically, at what kind of happened with the um, the Seder Enchanter list. If a, a a creator no longer wants their list on the database or uh, just stops providing upkeep for a list, um, which totally understandable given the rate of new cards that now come out. What is the process for making sure we maintain a, a suitable list for that commander and understand that that is part of the meta? Seder Enchanter is probably the best green-white deck 
that could exist in CPDH given the amount of resources that exist for that archetype. And the fact we haven't seen someone kind of kind of try to crack that nut again is is su- very surprising. Um, if, if I wasn't on the committee, I'd probably spend my time trying to make another list. But it's it's all I can do to to look at the the new list coming out and maintain the um, my list on here, which is the Duskmantle Guild Mage uh, combo deck. So we really need that list on there. And then um, Ethersworn Sphinx. My God, it's it's really put up numbers, especially in the recent stuff we've seen on the Possibility Storm channel. Um, I know that creator keeps his list a little close to the chest uh, and, and tries to make sure that you watch the video and you see the content to see the, the deck in action. And that's incredible. But <laughs> I think it's time that someone um, kind of put out a list that was under consideration and really got added to the database of even, you know, 90% of the, the, the secret and fabled ultimate Aethersworn Sphinx list, just so people know that that is a structure out there that does work and can be absolutely chaotic. But man, I, 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 re- I might make a Seder Enchanter list in paper. There's very few CPDH decks that I think I have all the resources for, but given my proclivity to store old green and white cards at a higher rate than any others... I think I could make a, a pretty solid list with that. Ooh, ooh, get a little uh, get a little paper action going on. It's been a minute since I've played some uh, paper popper, popper paper, paper popper picker eater, paper poop, purple Peter Piper picked up. I was thinking that I was thinking the uh, the purple decks, <laughs> one eyed, one horn, purple people. You know what I'm talking about. Purple popper people eater. Yeah, exactly. Eating poppers. We've divulged. I swear what, what's to... what's your next li- witch list item? <laughs> My next personal uh, list item, and I think I think a lot of these are going to be, or at least a lot of my first ones are just going to be color related, just because. Yeah. Um, but I want to see more uh, three color lists. We have. Let me do a little, mm. quick little. We have one, two, three, four, five. So we have five lists currently that are three colors on here. Probably the most prominent ones are going to be that Rocco Cabaretti Caterer list that we've uh, talked about yep. in depth. Love that. We love that. Um, the there is the uh, the Discipline Duelist Voltron list, which is Bant. We have a Warden of the Eye, uh, which is the Jeskai. That one's very yeah, um, that's an older one. That one's very mm. nuts and bolts uh, in terms of just good old fashioned uh, blinky and high tide sort of combos. Um, Cormella Glamour Thief is there as well. That's a, a very potent combo deck. And then Sidraxxus Spectre is there, kind of has like a, a Grixis uh, mid-range yeah. sort of list. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 hard, right? Because uh, uncommon three-color cards are hard to come by nowadays. With, with the current design philosophy, you'll get them with legendary creatures, but very rarely, unless it's a, a three-color set, do we get three-color uncommon creatures. Like, the best way to get, and, and even now with, with the, the two-color uncommon non-legendaries that we get, a lot of them are the draft tent post commanders for like, you're in this archetype, this is what these two colors are doing. There's very few non-limited focused um, uncommon creatures in today's kind of sets. And that's that's a bit frustrating, especially when we feel like we get all of these legendary creature decks and one of the cool things about PDH is it doesn't have to be legendary, but we end up there a lot of the time. So waiting until we get another Ikoria or waiting till we go back to Alara or waiting uh, till Khan's returns or Tarkir to, to get more three-color non-legendaries um, would be super cool. And I think people have been really trying to make these decks, assuming that more colors equals better, um, 
And I don't think PDH has the resources to make that fully possible, but also there just aren't that many good three color creatures. Yeah, I'm doing a little bit of research as you're talking, and unfortunately, I do think that is the case. Um, the because we we ran into this a little bit uh, when we were building the the Popper Cube last year, where we wanted to have archetypes for all two color combinations and three color. And when given the list of three color creatures that were out at the time, we made the executive decision that some of the commander pool for that cube would have to be common three color creatures because they were more interesting than the own commons that were provided. At a limited level, too. Not even, like, regular PDA, certainly not competitive, but at limited, we had to kind of break our own rules to uh, find interesting cards. Yeah, that's true. Um, I am one of those people who generally, I'm like, oh, if you give me more colors, there's more options, right? So I'm like, okay, this will be cooler. Mm-hmm. Um, also, as you expand your color space and uh, mana uh, costs become more prohibitive you can expand either power level or kind of like the the scope and the originality of what you're doing uh, but i'm, I'm just right. doing some quick scryfall searches right now and so for a lot of the the um the shards uh jund esper grixis etc there's actually a good amount i'm seeing like anywhere between like eight and 12 options for a lot of these now i'd have to really get nitty-gritty and see how many of them are actually worth it um but for a lot of the cons uh the wedges the cons three color options um those are very light. Yeah. You, most of them have one option, uh, which I did not realize. I thought we at least had like three or four, but no, there's there's like one. Nope. Like Warden of the Eye, which is in there, is the only Jeskai option. That's it. There are two There are two Saltai options. There's uh, one Abzan option. Uh, there's one Mardu option. It's, it's hard out there. Um, so I guess maybe uh, if CPDH Santa could give... Uh, you know, Daddy Hasbro and, and all the homies over at Watsy a, a call and be like, hey, let's get some of these three color uncommons in the pipeline, right? Hopefully we can get, instead of those uh, tent post uncommons that you were talking about, hopefully we can get some tent post uncommons that are three colors and not two colors. Yeah. That would be ideal. Yeah. Drafting three colors is always hard and I know they, they keep trying to find good ways to do it and I applaud them to keep trying because some of the most fun that I think we have outside of 100 card formats is in limited uh, for better and for worse. So any anything we can do to make those experiences uh, a little more broad in what's possible. I mean, there's also all sorts of a supplemental product, namely commander decks, where they could just print uncommons that are three colors or even even uncommon legendaries that are three colors. Like This just, one's out of my hands. As a, a deck database committee member, I uh, that's not something I can bring. Fair <laughs> enough, fair enough, fair enough. All right, well, what, well, what is something that you can bring or at least something that you're wishing for? Yeah, so um, one thing I think, kind of circling back to something I brought up earlier, uh, and a quick shout out to Corey of the Dark Confidants, one of the original CPDH gameplay channels to exist on YouTube. Mm. We we recently have really pushed to make upkeep a top priority. Uh, as we've kind of seen and as metas have shifted, a bunch of decks have been added, uh, but there is also the question of, you know, how much of this is still it's still competitive, right? Like are all these lists kind of on equal footing or are there some that can no longer survive in today's more fast-paced meta? And so one of the things that Corey has worked on and thankfully still maintains because this is vital to kind of the success of this project is uh, creating a list based off a a Python script that scrapes Moxfield to figure out what was the last updated date of all these decks. So we can first maintain like, are these decks seeing love on a you know two to three month basis right we're not we're not thinking that every new product comes out you're up updating this list but it should at least see some 
kind of curation every once in a while if you wanted to maintain competitiveness. So that's something we look at. And also the card variation across colors is another really cool thing he's worked on where all of the lists of all decks in the database are pulled and then the, the lists are compared for how many times certain cards show up in each. It's kind of a way to be like, one, make sure we're not getting too homogenized, but also like if your deck is way out there because it hasn't been updated in a while and might not be playing a lot of the new staples, that's something else to look at. So we're going to try and focus on that more. Reach out to creators whose decks are older and haven't seen love. Like, would they like to kind of keep pushing it or do should we find a new um, sort of caretaker for this list and that sort of stuff. So I, I'm, I'm really excited for when we have a, a solid upkeep strategy in place and as automated as possible because a lot of this process is manual and so it can fall off. So the more we can do to lean into automation like we have in so many other areas, this will be a, a very good thing. We love technology. Yeah. I think that's generally for the best. Yeah, I, I would love to see that happen for sure. I definitely think that there is uh, obviously no shortage of new cards and good cards that to be considered. So right. I, I want to see these uh, being implemented in lists or obviously being uh, used to create new lists. And as as someone who uh, got power crept out of the database, uh, Sailor's Bane, uh, which we talked about last episode, coming in and, and getting rid of Cryptic Serpent, um, it's kind of quintessential to the format that we make sure we are keeping everything that we're running a tight ship, right? Mm. That we're making sure that everything. If we want to be the de facto resource, we have to build that trust in the community that knows picking one of these lists will give you a good chance at winning in a competitive format. Are there any uh, <laughs> any other wishlist items? I'm trying to to trying to think of any any I have myself. So I think um, the other broad goal for me is like I would like to see as many different. Uh, not only color combinations, but um, styles of play represented as possible. Generally, I feel like we've kind of most of our most of the decks on the list either fall into aggressive style strategies uh, or combo based strategies, and I'd like to kind of diversify that a bit more. Um, I personally would love to see some proper control decks in here. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they're implemented, of course. Um, maybe they just end up winning with a combo anyway, and maybe people would define a lot of decks that I call combo decks as just control decks, but they just have a combo win. Yeah. But um, mm -hmm. you know, having that that kind of typical third uh, rock paper scissors would be nice. I just also would like to see what like a a truly competitive PDH control deck looks like. But I think for me, I want to see more like aristocrat style decks. Um, I very much mm -hmm. liked the Mayhem Devil list that we saw a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And um. Yeah. And I've game objects. Yeah, and I've been um, I've been gushing about uh, Hero of the Dunes ever since we had our our set review and also our, our pre-release. Um, so that's that's a list that I'm I'm looking into, and if if I don't make it happen, someone else please do. But I definitely think I would like to see more um, aristocrat style lists exi existing on the database. Yeah, I think I think something with that is uh, as we talked about, kind of like white coming into its own a little bit at the lower rarities. Uh, recursion seems to be what they're kind of pushing um, small creature recursion in white we saw it with uh, a few of the cards from from uh, brothers war we've seen it with the white jumpstart on common and hero of the dunes kind of bringing back small things because i think if we're going to see aristocrats actually work as a deck type it's going to need a strong recursive piece in the command zone uh, because the pieces that exist to recur at common are incredibly limited We've got a few good sack outlets, but in order to kind of really get those engines running, the ability to bring things back is kind of tantamount. And that is where I think 
competitive and otherwise PDH deck struggle. I agree. Yeah, I'd say uh, we're we're probably pretty good to to wrap this up shortly. Um, any any last minute thoughts? But I I would say if you haven't checked out the the database already, one I'm surprised you found us. So you should tell us where you heard about us if you don't know about the the deck database committee or uh, the deck database itself, really. Um, but it, it's worth checking out, and we do now that it's not a every three months uh, deck release cycle they kind of get added as the decks get reviewed there's always going to be something new on there every couple weeks Uh, right now there's four decks or five decks in the submission um list and we're going through them now to find out which ones will make it onto the database and that is usually the case because some of these really come from prolific brewers who keep coming up with new things who we, we we kind of have a soft limit on you know one deck per brewer per submission uh, and and some people you know just keep churning them out and they're all they're all amazing but we, we constantly get an influx of new stuff so so keep your eye out for that uh, and yeah but think about if there's a, a deck that you're you're passionate about and you want to kind of take it to the next level see what it takes and then maybe submit to the database more propaganda more propaganda chev is there a is there a list that you're uh, uh, passionate about and that you want to maybe I don't know. Talk to us about maybe in a segment like the deck of the week. I've got a I've got a, a fun little deck of the week. Um, deck of the week. We've got another one coming to us from the CEDH champion Puzzle Box, and also a member of the database committee. What a legend! This is one he he submitted prior to becoming a member of the committee um, from one of the Baldur's Gate legends, which doesn't have choose a background. And that is incredibly refreshing. This is Commander Liara Portier, 3 and Boros for a 5-3. And whenever you attack, spells you cast from exile this turn cost X less to cast, where X is the number of players being attacked. Exile the top X cards of your library. Until end of turn, you may cast spells from among those exiled cards. So here we have it, the epitome, the apex of red exile card draw. Add uncommon. Um, mm. <laughs> most of the time you're hoping to be swinging at at least two or three opponents. There's a lot of probably every myriad creature in common in here. Um, so you're hoping to be able to cast things for at least three less and you're exiling three cards off the top for card advantage. Uh, one of the key things also pointed out, of course, in the primer discount is not limited to the spells exiled by Liara Portier. So if you have something else like a Dark Dweller Oracle on the field and you exile a bunch of these spells, all of those get discounted too. So it's a very cool engine that kind of provides these two unique abilities, card draw and mana reduction, which are things that white and red don't do well all the time. So outside of that, this list is very, you're going to want to hit, you're going to want to hit often. Um, We have a ton of just strong creatures in here with keywords um, some big ones, some ones with Myriad, and then really just swinging as much as you can to drop big guys like Mur Enforcer and Sojourner's Champion and whatever else you can k- kind of get your hands on. Most of our creatures are relatively low to the ground. Most of them are going to be one, two, or three mana. A lot of them have flying, so some sort of evasion, right, so mm-hmm. that we can get in um, and continue to get in. And uh, some of them also bring with them uh, other little little buddies, little tokens as well, so that we can, once again, attack as many people as possible. Like you said, there are a few options uh, that have myriad 
at uh, common. I'm seeing Worms Crossing Patrol, Tabaxi, Tucaneers, Tiamat's Fanatics. I, I really butchered every single word that I just said in the past 30 seconds. But um, we're definitely uh, going to be maximizing the amount of mana that we're getting off. I was trying to fit another M in there as well. Maximizing the amount of mana that uh, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, and then another thing that I'm noticing is since we are always going to be on the aggressive plan, uh, we have basically uh, everything in here that we can get, all the creatures in here that will allow us to get the Monarch uh, so that we can mm -hmm. always be um, maintaining that and kind of keeping the aggression flowing yeah. and obviously drawing more cards on top of the cards that we're exiling off of the commander. Yes. And also, shout out to some of the, the big, chonky <laughs> boys that are in this deck because I, I can't think of a better home for Guardian Naga. And I've really wanted to play this card since it came out in uh, Baldur's Gate. This is a 7-mana 5-6 with Vigilance. And as long as it's your turn, prevent all damage that would be dealt to Guardian Naga. Incredible. Amazing. Also, an adventure card. So for 3-mana, you can instant exile target artifact or enchantment, which is so cool. And of course, when you exile this card through whatever effect and then cast the adventure and it goes back into exile, you get to keep it there. It doesn't go away at the end of turn. Um, which is very good. But cards that, you know, you if you're playing this card in CPDH, you'd probably just be using it for that uh, instant exile effect. But being able to land a 5-6 with Vigilance and essentially indestructible on your turn, um, that's pretty strong. Also, uh, Pegasus Guardian, another big one from um, Baldur's Gate. Mm. Six mana, 3-3 three, three with flying, and at the beginning of your end step, if a permanent you control left the battlefield this turn, create a 1-1 one, one with flying, so a good little token generator. These are things that might not be that competitive, but once you take the three mana discount, they're really, really strong. Uh, and same thing with the Tabaxi Tucaneers that, that Julian, you just mentioned. Five mana for a 3-2 with flying and Myriad. You're probably playing this for two or three mana, and that is obscene. Yeah, it really, once you can kind of get a couple creatures out and get that first attack in, I feel like it really starts to snowball in terms of just mm -hmm. being able to play two, three, four spells a turn, um, you know, and then obviously being able to also just kind of cycle through your deck because we're exiling off the top. Um, and like you said earlier, uh, Liara's discount applies to anything. So we have things like Reckless Impulse and Galvanic Relay in here as well. Um, even Experimental Synthesizer, which is a card that you don't see uh, often, but... Uh, all cards that allow us to exile off the top so we can get more out of that discount. Something else that I really like about this list that I kind of hinted at the, the beginning, the top of the episode as well, um, this is a, a Puzzle Box list. Puzzle Box is a prolific deck builder, tournament winner, and content creator. So in the um, primer for this deck, this is really strong if you're just getting in and want to play with something a little bit more intricate. But there's also five... I, five gameplay videos and a deck tech video. So whatever format you best consume information in, this is a deck that has a ton of, has seen a ton of play in various different communities, um, largely the tryhards, but you get to see a lot of action with it and what know almost straight away whether or not this deck is for you. Yeah. Um, also along that, if you're just entering the format, then maybe this is not where you're going to start and get your kicks, but there's a whole statistics section as well, uh, which I think is uh, really <laughs> interesting if you really want to delve yeah. into this deck and uh, really, really learn the ins and outs, which is, uh, which is super cool. Just a couple other things I want to talk about. There was formerly uh, a combo in here. Uh, it's been since removed, um, but it, there is still a section 
in the uh, primer that explains it. So depending on your meta and kind of, I think this this list particular, there's there's a section about meta, but I, I, I've noticed some things in here that seem very meta-dependent calls. Um, if your meta is more amicable to something like a combo, you could definitely even include that in here. You know, you don't need to let all the blue-black players and the Simic players have their fun. Uh, in Boros, we can, we can combo off as well. I think the last thing I would just want to talk about is uh, we're playing a whopping 34 creatures in here, uh, some of which bring mm. other creatures with them or they, they myriad or whatever. Um, and we're not playing any of like the stereotypical white enchantments that usually would neutralize our, our opponent's threats. I already forgot the name of the one that we just got. Uh, but we are playing a few enchantments here, uh, namely Angelic Renewal and Fanatical Devotion are both super cool enchantments. Angelic Renewal, one in a white. Whenever a creature is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, you can sacrifice Angelic Renewal. And if you do return that card to the battlefield, uh, so one, mm -hmm. this is just a great way to most likely keep out Commander Lyra Portier as she's uh, quintessential to the game plan. Um, but this also is a, like a pseudo flicker effect. Um, Right. It is a way for us to get a sacrifice trigger off maybe a Dark Dweller Oracle um, while maintaining our board presence. Um, and then Fanatical Devotion for two and a white, uh, an enchantment that just says, sacrifice a creature, no other cost, regenerate target creature. Um, since we have all these uh, myriad creatures happening, tokens being made, or just so many creatures that we can afford to get rid of them uh, because we can get them back. Once again, we have to make sure that we're protecting uh, Commander Liara Portier. God, that name is hard to say in like, like just going smoothly through a sentence yeah, um, yeah. a lot of syllables but uh yeah a very cool card and i love to see that being included in more decks um and also a good card in something like an aristocrats deck which i said i want to see more of so get on it anything else jeff about this list you want to highlight no no i think um i think this is one of the more straightforward ones uh as as boros is is tending to do you you want to swing early and often um there's not there's not a lot here to be incredibly confusing, but there's a high curve if you want to really get into the intricacies of Myriad, being able to sacrifice those tokens after they've dealt damage. Um, how many kind of like chumps you throw in because uh, Liara Portier is an attacks trigger, not a combat damage trigger, which is really fun, uh, especially when you have all those just extra bodies. Um, great list, good fun. Yeah, and super impressive the amount of card advantage that we can generate in a red-white list which is great. Definitely yes. keeps this thing competitive. Mm -hmm. uh, well, that's about it for the episode. Let us know what other things you want us to cover since we're not covering product releases anymore because we're, we're already running out of ideas. Ha! <laughs> no, we've got some stuff on our sleeve, but if there is a, a list that you want us to cover off the database, mm -hmm. if you have other things that you want to see on the database, whether you think that Vine Mare is super competitive and you want to know how we would build it or, or why we think it sucks or something, uh, obviously hit us up on Twitter or uh, pretty much just on Twitter, actually. But yeah, you know, you know how it is. <laughs> oh, God. We, we do have some good stuff in the works, um, maybe even branching outside of Magic the Gathering. So stay tuned. What? Who would ever do that? Not us. Anyway. Not like we just did a whole other episode on the other podcast about it. This has been the Hex Shrinkers House of Commons, and we are... Ending the the God damn it. <laughs> <laughs>